0: Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. Hey, everybody. Oh. Oh, hi, I have a friend, one friend over here, good. I'm glad to be here tonight. My name's Michelle, and I, you don't probably know me, but I know you guys because um, Tim and I pray about you a lot. We, I think about you, we think about your well-being. I get the privilege of overseeing family ministries here, so that includes kids and students, your parents, if they go here, um, marriages, because someday maybe you'll be married and then have a baby and then you'll be right back in my ministry. So you can't leave. I will find you. But um, I'm happy to be here tonight and um, continue in a series called um, To Be Human, right? Because to be human is what we all are and we don't really have a choice about that. But... Tim has chosen the book of Psalms, and it's such a great book to find your humanity in because throughout the Psalms, you just find a wide variety of emotions, and God gives us permission for all of them, and tonight we're going to be talking specifically about lament, and it's an unusual word, one, because we don't talk about it very much, but also, too, because I don't know if we give it a lot of space in Christianity or in the church, because I think oftentimes we want to come across happy and joyful and full of peace, but the reality of being human is that sometimes we will lament. Okay, so as we get started here this morning, I'm going or this morning, this evening, um, I'm gonna need a volunteer. Somebody just volunteered? Okay, right here on the end. Come on up. <laughs> it's really going to be harmless. Okay. And I know you already. This is, I know Joey, so this is great. Joey, will you go over and get that vase for me right there? And it has um, blue water in it, so be careful not to spill it. And just go ahead and bring it back over here to the stand. It's slightly warm. I know. When I filled it up, it, there was warm water. So thank you so much. Now, Joey, I have a question for you. Yeah. Is this face half-full or half-empty? Slightly below full. Well, not, like, <laughs> okay, I need a new volunteer. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, wait, right. no, no, but I mean, yeah, half, would you say half-full or half-empty, if it was indeed half of something? Half. Half-full. Full. You're going right, half-full. How many of you agree with Joey, this is half-full? Okay, okay, how many of you say, no, this is half-empty? Okay, we're we're kind of divided. I think the fulls might outweigh the empties a little bit. Thank you so much. Give Joey a hand. Thank you so much. (laughs) When, if you were to ask my husband about that, my husband's name is Michael. If you were to ask my husband about that, he would definitely say half empty. And this is just the way he sees life. And for years, we've been married for almost 35 years. And so for years, I would be like, you're being so negative, so pessimistic. And then what do negative and pessimistic people say? No, I'm just being a realist, right? And then I, I would see this as half full and I would say like, babe, look at look at all that beautiful blue water in there. I mean, there's so much potential in here. And I just happened to see things with a positive bent. Are you with me, some of you who see things on the positive bent, right? Now, here's the thing. For years and years, I thought my husband was wrong, and I was right. But Both of us are right because isn't this indeed half full and at the same time half empty? So herein lies the part of being human. We're not all the same, but we do have human emotions and we see things slightly different perspectives. And there was a time in my life when I was still just seeing that being positive. And being half full was right. And I remember picking up my son, who was about 14 at the time, from school. And he got in the car, and I I said, how was your day? And he went on and on about just everything awful. Like, this happened, and this person did this, and this happened on this exam, and I didn't get this, and I didn't get this. And I'm listening, and I'm trying to be that mom that's understanding. But at the same time, I'm thinking, dude, we got to... We've got to change your attitude, right? I felt the need to do that. And I remember saying, well, here's the bright side of things, or here's the positive way of looking at that, or you might want to consider. And as we started to pull in to um, our neighborhood, he, he literally grabbed my arm and he said, Mom, everything doesn't always have to be okay. Sometimes we can just have a bad day. I was like, wow, I really <laughs> needed to hear that. And God really began teaching me something through both my husband and my son, through the way that they were bent to see things. And as a mom, my mom's heart for my son didn't want him to be sad, right? When we don't want someone to be sad, we wanna fix something, we wanna show them another way of looking at a perspective. It was out of love, but at the same time, it is purely human to have bad days, to feel sad to feel disappointed. And God was beginning to teach something in my heart. He was beginning to teach me and cultivate an understanding of what it means to just sit with somebody and be sad or let them be disappointed, right? I'm really glad and I'm very thankful that he did because just about three years later when my son was 17 years old, I was going to need a different kind of understanding for sitting in sadness and sitting in his lament. He was 17 years old, he, um, he was a scuba diver. Is anybody a scuba diver here? No, it's Colorado okay that's right we were in California I failed to mention that but anyway we were in, we, scuba diving is really fun but this is not such a fun story so um, my son was a scuba diver he um, was working his way through the stages to become a master diver and he was all, almost already there and he was only 17 years old and Um, He had to get in a certain amount of dives and a certain amount of hours. And so he and his friend Kenny, who was a few years older than him, went out for a dive. This is in Laguna Beach, California. And um, they were having a beautiful dive. But here in this particular area, a storm can come really rapidly in the afternoon hours. And that's exactly what happened. And a storm came in and um, the visibility within the water got really murky and super bad. And then the wind lapping up the waves was um, bringing up the silt on the sand floor and making it even more and more murky. And there was a dividing rock like this, and this is where they were supposed to swim to get out of the water. Because the water was so murky, uh, they couldn't tell, they ended up going this way. By the time they got to the, the rock wall, which was here on this side instead of the sandy beach on this side, Um, they had run out of most of their oxygen. And the rock wall was just a scaled wall like this one in front of you. You can't really get out of it except for a few little places that were rugged terrain. And um, my son said, we gotta go for it. We gotta get out of the water and we have to figure out a way to get up here because we don't have enough oxygen to get from here all the way back to the point and back with the storm coming even further. So my son gets out of the water. He takes off all of his um, weights and his oxygen tank. He gets out of the water and he starts this gruesome, grueling climb up these rocky crags. And he looks back and his friend Kenny um, did not do that. His friend Kenny was in the water and dove back down in. And he said, I'm going to go for it. And at that point, my son sort of panicked like, Kenny, you can't do that. And came down from where he was, put back on all of his stuff, and um, dove back in trying to find Kenny. And he searched, and he searched, and he searched, and his oxygen was getting lower and lower and lower. Finally, he couldn't find him. He didn't know where he was, but he knew that his oxygen had ran out, so he assumed Kenny's had too. He got out, he... Climbed the rocks as fast as he could. He, he cut his whole body, his hands, his knees, his feet. Got to the top. He found another person um, and told them to call 911. When the rescuers came, they, they dove, they went into the water, and they found Kenny trapped under the water, under a rock. And he had died. My son was 17. And I got the phone call from my husband, who was at the time working working. Um, With search and rescue for the sheriff's department, so he was actually called to the scene. And everything in my body just felt like lifeless. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling before, but yeah, like the blood literally just drains from your body. And I'm trying to anticipate how, how I'm going to greet my son, like what will he need from me? And... I'm thinking back to those conversations that we had and I felt like God just kept telling me, just be with him. Just be with him. I'm with him, but just be with him. You know, in those moments, there's really nothing you can say. There's nothing you can do. You can't fix this pain. And the lament and the sorrow that would ensue in my son's life for months and years... And um, it's been 12 years since then. My son is 29 now. And this still marks him. There are things in our life that mark us forever, right? But God was teaching me that the companionship of being with someone in their suffering is a physical expression of what God does. And this is this whole idea of lament, Lament is to cry out to God, right? To cry out to Him, and when even when we don't have words, and we're going to discover that today. There was a story told of, of a little boy who lived next to two elderly people, and um, one of the, one of the times they would have them over and play, and then one of the times they'd have them come over for lunch, and this little couple had just adopted this little boy into their life, and and one day um, the woman died. And the little boy was going to go over. And his mom said, no, you can't go over there. You know, he's he's really sad. He lost his wife. And he kept asking to go over, kept asking to go over. And so one day, the mom let him go over to the house. And he was there for a little bit. And then he came back. And the mom said, what did, what did you say? And he said, I didn't say anything. I just helped him cry. I just helped him cry. And... Tonight, we are going to talk about lament because lamenting helps us cry. And the Bible gives us complete options, complete availability to lament. Let's talk about the definition of lament. The definition of lament is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. Basically, it's an outward manifestation of a deeply inward pain, right? So this could be tears, this could be screaming, this could be your body feeling numb. There's a physical reaction that takes place when we have a deeply inward sorrow or pain. And the thing about lament and pain and sorrow is that there's just no shortcut to it and that's what makes it so hard. We can't just get over something because someone says a cheerful word or gives us a beautiful verse or we sing a worship song. Sometimes lament stays with us in very acute ways for a long time, but the, but the power of God in this moment is something that I hope we see tonight because lament is not only this passionate expression of sorrow and pain, it's actually also an act of worship. I want you to look at these words from a woman named Linda Shepherd. She says, lament is an act of worship, a faith statement of trust in the face of difficulty. It's a wonderfully honest way to acknowledge our trouble to God as we also acknowledge our hope is in Him. See, it's this both and, it's this trouble and this hurting, and it's also this hope that we have a God who cares, we have a God who is near, we have a God who has suffered unthinkable pain emotionally and physically, and He has overcome. So our hope remains in Him. As we look at the Bible, um, like I said, the Bible gives us so many opportunities for lament, to see Things that other people lamented about. And we can find ourselves in it, you know, especially the Psalms. I encourage you when you go home this week or this tonight even to Google Psalms of Lament okay? And um, your Google search will probably pull up some of those, or you can ask somebody who's really smart or knows these things, but Google's pretty smart. And um, I want you to read through them because we don't have time to go through all of them tonight. But the Psalms give us this permission to say things that we would un- otherwise think unsayable. They give us this permission to go, <gasps> this really godly person, the King David, the psalmist, or another psalmist, like, said these things. Like, I guess it's okay for me to say these things or to think these things as well. Listen to Psalm uh, uh, chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says, be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am pining away. This is just like wasting away, the psalmist is saying. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are dismayed. Have your bones ever hurt? Like sometimes your, your body just aches because you're hurting. My bones are dismayed and my soul is greatly dismayed. But you, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, rescue, rescue my soul. Save me because of your loving kindness for there is no mention of you in death in Sheol who give you thanks. I am weary with sighing. Every night I make my bed swim. What do you think that is? Have you ever broken out into a cold sweat in the middle of the night? Out of fear, you woke up something and was like, oh, you're sweating. His bed is swimming. He's sweating so much. For there is no, um, oh, my make my bed swim. I dissolve my couch with my tears. My eye has wasted away with grief. It has become old because of my adversaries, depart from me, all of you who do iniquity, for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping, the Lord has heard my supplication, the Lord receives my prayer. You guys, sometimes, you know, you wanna call a friend or you wanna talk to your parents or you wanna talk to your small group leader or something, but really the Lord hears your prayers. The Lord is the one who at all hours of the night has like, you have availability, you have access to him anytime, anywhere, and he receives it. He doesn't act like me in the car with my 14-year-old son and go like, well, like, let me just give you a better perspective or let me just do this or let me do that. Like, he sits with you in it. He's not gonna leave you there, but he'll sit with you in it. Psalm 77, another uh, psalm of lament says, my voice rises to God and I will cry aloud. My voice rises to God and he will hear me. We see a theme here. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. And then in the night, my hand was stretched out with weariness. My soul refused to be comforted. When I remember God, then I am disturbed. When I sigh, then my spirit grows faint. Maybe you're not supposed to say that. Maybe you're not supposed to say, when I remember God, my soul is disturbed. That's not right. We're allowed to say these things. That doesn't make them true. True. Right? But we can say how we feel, because that's a human emotion to feel that way. You've held my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of long ago. And then he changes. I will remember my song in the night. I will meditate with all my heart, and my spirit ponders. You guys, it's not just in the Psalms, it's throughout all of God's Word. Um, we go to the book of Jonah. Jonah is the prophet who is uh, swallowed by a gigantic fish, sits in the belly of this fish for three days. I can tell you for sure that when I read his lament in chapter two of Jonah, I would be lamenting. Can you imagine being in the belly of a fish Like, the the outside of a fish is stinky. I can't imagine the inside of a fish. Plus, anything that that fish had eaten, the acid, the darkness, the fear, wondering how long you're going to be in here. I mean, that's a time for lament, if ever there was one. And then, you might not know this, but there's an entire book of the Bible dedicated to this subject. Does anybody know the name of it? Lamentations. Oh, some of you are going, oh, I get it, Lament, Lamentations, right? It's a whole book about Lamentations. The book was originally um, named in the Hebrew language. It was named, How? It was, that was the name of the book, How? Do you ever feel like that? Like, how can this be happening? How? And then later, the rabbis um, would refer to it as the book of loud cries, and when you translate loud cries, you have limitations. So this is something that God is inviting, right? So what are the things in your life right now that you have loud cries over? In my home when I grew up, um, we weren't an ex- a super emotionally expressive family in the sense of screaming and crying and that kind of emotion, if I was to cry or if one of my family members was to cry, I would be more like I'd run in my room, I'd shut the door, I'd crawl in my bed, I'd put a pillow over my face, and I'd cry like in silent, I'd cry in secret. But um, there was a time when I was a young bride after we'd been married for a while, I was nine months pregnant, I was about ready to go and to uh, labor much like Mariah and Tim are and I my husband took me um, to the hospital and I'm I'm sitting in my they checked me into my room and I'm having some labor pains and stuff and I'm sitting in my room and the the room next to me I just hear this woman going "Ah!" like and just screaming and screaming and screaming and I grabbed my husband by his collar and I pulled him in I said what are they doing to her over there? And then a few hours later, as my labor progressed, and it progressed, and it progressed, and then I found myself with loud cries. I'm not, I mean, I'm not a person who does this, but I am now screaming. And I grabbed my husband by his collar, and I pulled him in, and I said, you did this to me. <laughs> and Tim, are you in the room? Because, okay, I just, I just really encourage you not to wear a shirt with a collar. That's all I have to say. Because this could happen any day, and then you're going to have to forgive sweet Mariah for anything she says in that moment. But this idea of loud cries, right? Loud cries, laments, it comes from a deeply inward pain. And, and the, the, the hard part about this is a lot of the times it's not physical. Because if it's physical, you might be able to take something. You could take... Tylenol, you could take a bath, you can go to sleep, you can whatever, when you're pregnant, you know, they can give you stuff. But what happens when your deeply inward cries and pain are not physical? Then what? I want to talk about how these loud cries that you might be experiencing, you turn on the TV and you see war you had missed experiences because of COVID. You've lost people. There's depression. There's identity issues. There's confusion. There's anxiety. There's stress. There's broken relationships with parents and siblings and friends. There's disappointments. These might be the things that are deep cries in your life right now. And In these loud cries, we have an invitation to go into the presence of God. That's the invitation. Lamenting is not just for lamenting's sake, it has a purpose, but it is an invitation to walk right into the presence of God. And so tonight we're going to look at what those three purposes might be. The first one is that our lament draws us to the Father through the Spirit. Lament draws us to the Father. And he uses the Spirit to do this. Look at Romans chapter eight. It says in verses 26 and seven, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Think about what this passage is saying. It's saying when you are, you are just grief-stricken, you are so disappointed, you have loud cries inside or out, that you can just cry out to God with wordless moans and the Spirit interprets that to the heart and the ears of the Father. Wow. That's intimacy, intimacy that's a God who really, really loves you. The all-knowing, all-powerful God of this universe, the creator of every living thing, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, stoops down to my insignificance in order to give my feeble heart cries significance. I have an 18-month-old granddaughter and her speech is mostly just garbled cries of nonsense. Right? And every once in a while I'll hear hi or baby or doggy or something in there that makes sense, but most of it's not. And I always wish I would just have an interpreter there. Can you tell me what she's saying? She's really upset right now. I would love to know what my little Carter is saying right now, cause she's crying and I would do it. I would give her anything, but I don't know what she's saying. But the father knows exactly what you're saying. The spirit intercedes when my son Brendan was going through this dark night of the soul he would the lament the pain the suffering the survivor's guilt um the trauma not being able to sleep at night waking up with nightmares um one night I went in after it had been a couple weeks and I was confident he hadn't been sleeping and I just took two Tylenol PM and I put it by his um nightstand and I said Brendan I said you haven't even slept and I said if you want, you can take these Tylenol PM. I just want you to get some rest. And he looked at me and he said, Mom, this is not the time to be self-medicating. <laughs> I'm like, it's too Tylenol PM, okay. But he, we sat, I sat down on his bed and he said, um, I've always heard, my whole life growing up in church, I've always heard about the comfort of the Holy Spirit. But this is the first time I'm experiencing it wow, right? You can know something and then God brings trials in our life so we can experience the comfort and the nearness of God's Spirit who draws us to the Father. Look at what Josh Larson says. This is a friend of mine. He says, Christian lament is not simply a complaint. Yes, it stares clear-eyed at awfulness and even wonders if God has gone. Yet at its fullest, biblical lament expresses sorrow over losing a world that once was good alongside of a belief that it can be made good again. Lament isn't giving up, it's giving over. When we lift up our sorrow and our pain, we turn it over to the only one who can need it. Our God. It's not giving up. Lament is not just saying, no, it's over. Everything's over. It's, it's giving it over. This is why God allows these things to happen in our life. And then he sits with us in it. And then when he knows it's the proper time, he gently beckons us to move on with him and we give it over to him. We say, God, I can't do this. I can't bear this alone. We were not created for death. Do you know that? We weren't created for death. When we chose to sin, death entered into this world. But we weren't created for death, we weren't created for pain for suffering. We weren't created for isolation. We weren't created for despair or disease or depression. And so everything in our body cries out, it ought not to be this way. And you know what? You're right. When you're when you cry that out, it ought not to be this way. You're agreeing with God. Which is why every act of God since the moment of sin has been to restore you and to reconcile you back into a right relationship with him and then taking your place for the punishment of your sin because he would rather die than to live without you that's how much he loves you he invites you to lament because he's lamenting too did you ever think about that? He invites you to lament because his heart is lamenting. It's not supposed to be this way. So not only does it draw us to the Father through the Spirit, our lament allows us to share in the sufferings of Christ and others. Let's look at Christ first. 1 Peter 2 says, "For To this you were called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. It's really easy to just breeze past that. If he leaves us an example for us to follow and he suffered, then following him means what? Suffering. Yeah, that's not like usually, you know, the, the best um, sermon to give after someone receives Christ, right? Like, hey, you just became a Christian, welcome to your journey of suffering, <laughs> right? Because there is more to the Christian life than just suffering, but it will mark your path. It will mark your path. So that we should follow in his footsteps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they heaped abuse on him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats, but entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins and in his body on the tree across so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his stripes you are healed i love this when they heaped abuse on him he did not retaliate when he suffered he made no threats some of you your lament is over how you're being treated right now and i don't know by whom but i just know that in this room some of you are being mistreated by your parents by a teacher by by your friends and it's not right and God's heart is lamenting with you. But if we follow in his footsteps, our suffering is not in vain. You're not a victim because you're suffering. You are victorious in Christ. There will be a day of reckoning. We know this. Even Jesus lamented, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is what Jesus says on the cross. He's actually quoting a verse from Psalm chapter 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Remember when I said just because we lamented, it doesn't mean it's true? Jesus himself says, why have you forsaken me? The father had not forsaken his son. The father has not forsaken you. But we can cry out how we feel because he's big enough to accept it. Not only do we share in the sufferings of Christ when we lament and we understand what Christ went through for us, we can share in the sufferings of others because we're all going to have sufferings in our life. Second Corinthians one chapter one says this, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion and the God of all, what, say it with me, comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance, we're gonna come back to that, of the same sufferings we suffer. What's a common word you see in all those verses? What's the one you hear over and over and over and over again? Comfort. When you're hurting, what's the one thing you want the most? You want comfort. And you know what we do, men and women? We go seek it in places other than God. We seek comfort in things that we watch, things that we look at, things that we put in our bodies, wrong relationships, all of this stuff to self-medicate, right? When the comfort, the true comforter is God himself and then he comforts us, so that we can comfort others. How many of you have ever had something happen to a friend or a family member that you've been through and they come and they're crying and they're sharing it to you and you go, oh, I've been there before. How many of you have had that experience before, right? And you can say like, this is how I got through it. And hopefully as God is comforting you, you are, it's not wasted. You get to use that to comfort others. I've had some sufferings in my life too, right? It's to be human, we can't get away from it. And I think some of the things I've learned are things that now I can put into practice. Um, for example, um, is Shailene in the room right here? Where's my Shailene? Hi, you. We have this little thing, what do I say to you? Is it a good day I say to her, is it a good day or a bad day? Because we've walked through some suffering and it's really hard when you're in the midst of some suffering to have somebody going, how are you doing today? Because like you feel like, well, if I say bad, then we're going to have to talk about it. I don't really want to talk about it. But if I say good, I'm really not doing good. And I don't really know what, you're not really asking. We're just passing in the hallway. And it just kind of gets complicated, right? When you're suffering. So I learned I really wanted people to say, is this a good day or a bad day? And all I had to say is, this is a good day. High five. This is a bad day. And I knew that person would pray for me or think about me. Or do you want to talk? Not really. Okay. So it's something I learned that I can comfort someone else with. Is it helpful to you, Shailene? See? We can do that. Glad you didn't say no. Okay. (laughs) Lastly, our lament cultivates a perspective of hope. Lament cultivates a perspective of hope. We can't leave this conversation without talking about hope. So my husband, the one that's half full, um, is also a modern well no, he's not half full. I was reminding you, like, he sees things half full. But he's also like a modern day MacGyver. Do you guys know like MacGyvery people, like they can just fix anything with like duct tape, a paper clip, and you know, a piece of tinfoil. So he's just a fixer person. He's amazing. I love it. I love being able to go, babe. This is broken. I love just watching him fix it. And when my daughter was four, she knew it. Even at four, I tell you, she just knew like he could fix anything. And one day, I was out in the backyard. My kids are on the play um, like the play structure that we had out there, the swing set, and I looked up. And the clouds were like somebody had taken cotton and like spread it. I know there's a technical term for that, like serious clouds or something like that. I don't know, whatever it is. So it was just, and normally they were the white poofy kind of clouds. So I looked up and I, I was with my kids and I went, oh, look at the clouds. And I was meaning it, like, they're gorgeous. Like this is incredible, but she heard me gasp. And so she thought like, I was upset. I said, oh, look at the clouds and she like, She said to me, she goes, don't worry mommy, daddy will fix it. He probably could, he's pretty amazing. Oh my goodness, such a sentimental little group here. But here, hang with me you guys, this is our hope. This is our hope, our father will fix it. Our Father will fix it. We don't mourn like those who don't have hope. We don't lament like those who don't have hope. Our Father will fix it. This is not the final word. One day, John says this in Revelation, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, New. then he said write this down for these words are trustworthy and what this is not this is not just some fairy tale you guys this is trustworthy and true and a lot of times when we're lamenting and we're waiting for this day and I want you to note that that scripture did not say we're going to all go off to some place and escape this world no the kingdom of heaven is coming down here to earth He's, rem- he's remaking all things new. And do you know what our job is in the meantime? Our job is to proclaim the good news of who Jesus is, that He came and forgave our sins, that he is, he is with us in our pain. He did not abandon us. He did not leave us as orphans. He is with us until He is here physically. He has sent us His Spirit. He has sent us each other to be together in the midst of this. When my daughter was finishing her doctoral program a couple years ago, she would lament. I tell you, she would call me and just sob and cry. I can't do it. I haven't slept. I don't have time to eat. I can't do work and school. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Lament, lament. And I remember what I told her is that you are being called to a season of perseverance and endurance. And I tell you what, young people, oftentimes people are praying to have the thing removed from you and praise God if it is. But if it isn't, I pray for you perseverance and endurance because whatever you're going through has an expiration date. The expiration date is when Jesus comes to make all things new. When Jesus makes all things new. So he invites us to lament and to cry out. You guys, as we close right now, I'm gonna ask the band to come back up. But I I wanna tell you that five years ago, I lost my sister to an opioid overdose. She's my only sibling. I know a little something about lament. And I lament that she's gone. I lament for my parents. I lament for her three daughters. I lament for her grandchildren that she never met. But in this lament, I have also received God's love, his presence, his purpose, his comfort. And I know Jesus in a different way. I'm not saying it was a good thing. The things that happened to my son or to my sister, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm not trying to whitewash it. I'm saying that it's an invitation to enter into the presence of God. And tonight, whatever your lament is, whatever your loud cry is, you're being invited. You're being invited to just dissolve into despair or to come into the presence of God. Bringing it all. You don't have to wordsmith it or edit it or make it sound Christian. You get to just come in the rawness and instead of giving up, you're gonna give it over because he can meet you where you're at. There's no suffering you're experiencing that he himself does not know and he loves you. He loves you so much, he's interpreting the cries and moans of your heart and your spirit so that he understands. And he's with you right now. I want you to imagine, as you just close your eyes for a second, I want you just to imagine him sitting right next to you, not judging you, not trying to cheer you up, but just simply being with you, loving you, promising you. That he is making something good come out of this, that he is glorifying himself in this, and that one day all things will become new. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.